Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Stack Office of Career Development's podcast, After Class. My name is Catherine Cambria. Today, I will be speaking to a renowned guest who has left her mark in the field of communications. Not only that, she happens to be a Stack alum of the class of 1988. Joining me here today is Ms. Patricia Stark. How are you? Hi, Kat. So great to be here with you. Thanks so much for having me. I am so excited to be speaking with you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I'm excited to be speaking with you. (laughs) And um, I always think it's like really interesting to be able to speak to people like who have the same major as me, as well as people who have graduated from Stack. And I really appreciate that you took time out of your day to um, talk to me today. Oh, anything for Stack. I'm always happy to do things for St. Thomas Aquinas College. Always. Uh, And speaking of St. Thomas Aquinas College, you were recently honored in the Stack Hall of Fame earlier this year. How did it feel to be honored? Oh my gosh, it was just so wonderful. It really just, you know, made me just feel so wonderful to be included among the group of people that have been inducted over the years because I was fortunate enough to emcee the event a couple of times leading up to that. So I really got to know the uh, inside out of some of the backgrounds of all of these amazing people and then to end up being honored among them was just fantastic. And it was starting off 2020 in January of January 24th, which I was like, wow, 2020 is a great year. (laughs) It started off good. (laughs) I'm really happy that you at least had the opportunity to be honored in person before everything that happened this year. It was wonderful. It was a, it was a fantastic evening. And, uh, Dr. Fitzpatrick was, it was wonderful that she was there and, and to know that, you know, we got to celebrate her and all of her achievements as she was going to be moving on in her life. And it was just, it really was a magical evening. And I know as a Stack student, you had multiple internships and with the Office of Career Development, we always like to highlight students who have internships as well as alum and their experiences. So a question I have for you is about the internships that you had as a Stack student, because to my knowledge, you interned with MTV and Channel 8, right? I did. So uh, MTV came up because a friend of mine uh, was also doing some kind of an internship there. I think that she was at Stack at that time. I don't know that she stayed there, but she was there while I was there and she helped facilitate the introduction to uh, MTV. And that was just such a thrill. I got to go into Manhattan and I worked on the set and I would transfer the tapes back then. Not everything was digital. It was on, you know, the reel to reel tapes. And I got to work with all of the on talent and then they even let me go on air doing some fun skits and things like that so it was a great hands-on internship at the time and and really exciting to be uh, in that era of MTV when they still played music when they were really a force to be reckoned with in the music uh, industry and then after that I had a second internship with Channel 8 which was TKR Cable at the time which later became Cablevision, uh, as we know it now. And the fantastic thing about interning at TKR 
union shop. So literally they let me do and learn everything from lighting to directing to uh, technical directing to operating cameras to writing and, and being in front of the camera and hosting local shows like Ion Rockland and uh, live call-in shows like Cable A to Z. So it made me become so entrenched in the Rockland County community and learn so much more about local government and history and all of those things, but it was like, it was just like an amazing learning ground because I literally got to do everything there. That's awesome. And as someone who's not from Rockland County, I'm not from Rockland County, so I'm speaking about myself when I say that, um, I learned a lot about Rockland County by interning with WRCR AM 1700. And we have a commonality in that you used to host a show for WRCR. I did, yeah, I pitched a show to WRCR called Inside and Out with Patricia Stark. And I was on for quite a while because I had had a sponsor and, and it was going great. I probably did it for about a year or two. And it was everything that I kind of wished that I wanted to do for a show, like rather than waiting for someone to create it for me, I was like, I'm just gonna create this for myself. And I had already had a lot of broadcast experience at that point, but I've been switching my role in front of the camera over the years to being a coach and trainer. Um, which we can talk about during this interview, where I started doing media training and then it became public speaking training. And then that led into body language and really coaching people for confidence and feeling, you know, trusting themselves, whether that was in front of the camera or behind the scenes or raising their hand in class, it, it didn't matter. And I wanted to do a show that focused on that. And that's what I did. I had guests on, we talked about, uh, psychology, we talked about putting your best foot forward and exercise and, and interviewing people, you know, anything that was like for peak performance that could make you be your best you. And as you know, it's a small station in the Hudson Valley, but we are very close to New York City and Rockland and Westchester are our bedroom communities for that. And, you know, this was a great lesson and nothing is too small. No place is too little if you put yourself into it and make the most of it. And one day I'm driving in my car and Ernie Anastas, who is a legend in New York, who has been an anchor man here forever, literally it calls me on the phone and says, I've been seeing some things that you've been posting on social media for inside and out. And I think that you'd make a great guest. And this was several years ago. And that turned into an amazing relationship. I've been on his Fox five show more times than I can count, you know, giving information about the coaching and training I do. And now the book that I'm writing, which, you know, we can talk about too. And now he and I are working on our own, uh, podcast and show together. We just did our pilot for it and we'll see what happens. But oh, wow. <laughs> a great lesson in it doesn't matter where you are or, or if whether you think people are listening or not. And, you know, RCR is a great reach, but at the time it's probably grown since I've been there. But this was several years ago now. And at the time I was just like, you know, who's really listening? Who's really tuning in? You know, I'm sure it's a, it's a handful of people and it's the people in Rockland, but I had no idea of the reach and the relationships that that show would build for me. And a lot of people tune into the station and that amazed me too. And I like to think of the listeners as a family. I don't know if you've experienced it like with your show where like the same people would call in and I loved that. Like instantly by someone's voice, you knew who was calling in. 
Yes. And how special is that? Because we're so close to like the biggest city in the world where things can feel impersonal. And, you know, sometimes Rockland kind of feels like it gets lost because of the city. And, you know, we're like this little microcosm up here, but it, it, it created like a feeling of that talking to a neighbor over the back fence that you might get if you were located in the Midwest or down South. And look at that. We we're able to recreate that right in the Hudson Valley, so close to the biggest city in the world. And you mentioned the amazing internships that you've had as a Stack student. How has Stack helped you in your career journey? Uh, you know, I was the first person in my family, I was the youngest of four, to go to college. My father had gone to NYU, and because of personal family reasons, he had to take care of a family member. He didn't graduate. He was like 15 credits shy, which always bothered him. My mom got married at a young age, as did my sister, and my two brothers went into the Navy. So when it came time to go to college, I saw all of my friends going to college, and I was like, I need to do this. It just wasn't something that was pushed, you know? And I went to a couple of places. I knew I needed to stay close to home. And as soon as I went to Stack, I was like, this feels like the right place for me. And from not only having those wonderful internships, but I still talk to probably three or four of my professors from the time that I physically went to school there. And the small class sizes and that open door policy and that feeling of family just kept growing. And throughout my time there, that was what helped me in so many ways find the confidence. You know, I remember taking my first public speaking class um, with Dr. Uh, Mary Burns, and I was terrified of it. And she helped build my confidence so much. You know, I talked about that when I was inducted into the Hall of Fame, how it wasn't just a class on public speaking. It was a class on self-esteem and thinking the right thoughts. And she was just this big, crazy, in a way, personality full of just life and energy. And you know, it, it, it taught me so many things. So the people and the teachers that were there were just um, amazing. And then you know, I go back to visit every year as a speaker. I've been an adjunct professor at Stack. And I always find the teachers and the staff to have that same feeling of you know, just being welcome and being positive and energetic and not that, you know, they can't do enough to help you as a student. And I found that as an alumni, the same sense there. I love how some of those people who you knew while you were at SAC, and my mom also happens to be an alum of the college. She graduated in 87. Um, recently, like she showed me her yearbook and I was able to see like which professors were there then. <laughs> and it was so funny because like Dr. Journey was there then and a few of my other professors who I've had she had or like they taught at the college at the time that she was there and i just find that like it shows like their loyalty to the college and that they're there that long and it's also amazing how even though like i'll be graduating at a different time than from when you graduated our lives have been touched by some of the same people yeah, it's really amazing. And I still stay in touch with many of them on social media and we email and we've seen each other over the years. Like it, it truly is, you know, a family. A lot of people and places and brands use that family term and throw it around very lightly. But in this case, it is 100% the truth. You've had a lot of experience in broadcasting. Can you tell me about those experiences? 
Yeah, well, when I started my internship uh, at TKR Channel 8, which later became Cablevision, you know, I wasn't getting paid. I was doing local little restaurant reviews. I was doing little types of, you know, whatever I could get my hands on. And then after the internship, there had been a gal there that I'm still friends with, um, and she moved on. And I said to them, oh, is there any way that I could host this show? And that became the Ion Rockland show that I had been kind of doing some reports for as an intern. So then they hired me part-time. Then they eventually hired me full-time as a, an associate producer and then as a producer. And then from there, I ended up uh, moving on to United Artists Columbia Cable in New Jersey, which also then later became Cablevision. Worked there for about four years as a producer, and that was right in New Jersey. And they were related, so I could still interact with some of the same people because they had kind of merged. And then I remember I was sitting at my desk one day and this voiceover guy came into the studio and he's like oh yeah I do this for a living and I freelance and I'm like what is this freelance thing you know I mean when I when I went to college and I talk about this over the years with the students when I come to speak to the comm arts major I had a very narrow view of I need to get a broadcast job it needs to be in the city it needs to be with one of the big networks like it, I had this whole thing that it had to be had to be had to be and I had my my mind blown and opened up to this freelance world of opportunity of wait a minute so i can be my own entity and work for different production companies and different networks as as someone that can just show up like this guy so he was my first mentor and he talked to me about you know how to do it how to talk to some of the production companies and casting people and agents in the city and, and around the tri-state area and i remember it was like i created my arsenal i made all my vhs tapes at the time with my you know copies of my work on it I figured out my resume and then I went through literally because the internet was just starting god do I sound old and I went through every phone book in like a 50 mile radius of New York New Jersey Connecticut and Pennsylvania and I created a little list of 300 production companies and I sat there with manila envelopes and printed resumes and headshots and VHS tapes and I mailed everybody and their brother and said this is what I've been doing um, whether they are a production company or someone that you know sends talent out and I waited and I waited and it was like planting seeds but eventually people started calling I started doing things I left my full-time job I said I am just gonna take a risk here I don't have a house or a family or anybody I'm supporting yet and it just started creating that snowball effect. And one good lesson from that, about a year later, uh, someone called me and said, hey, you know, I got your resume and your tape a year ago. I kept it in my filing cabinet because I thought maybe I could use you someday for something. Called me a year later, which is a great lesson on planting seeds. Just get it out there. You don't know how those seeds are going to grow. And he called me down to host a medical show in Staten Island, New York, which I had never really been to called um and medical no med talk and i did that part-time like here and there like once a month for that show and then that director and the owner of another company called called MDTV Medical News Now reached out to me because of that show and I ended up hosting MDTV nationally syndicated show for 10 years because of that one seed planted that didn't seem like it germinated into anything until a year later. Um, so I did that for a while then I was a channel, uh, a News 12 reporter for Cablevision up in uh, Connecticut and I was a 10 o'clock anchor there and then um, I did a brief stint on some other networks. I worked for a network called 
Ebru, um, which is a Turkish network based out of New Jersey, believe it or not. So I got to do international news for them, uh, hosting a morning news uh, show, kind of like the Today Show called Ebru Today. And then I did a one o'clock anchor where I was an international anchor where it aired in uh, the States on Dish Network and some other uh, satellite networks. And then it aired in Europe and in Africa and, and all across the globe. And that was really uh, so exciting to have to learn so much more international news that I hadn't done. Um, and then I've done some national news and I've worked um, for more medical. And now I mainly focus on health and wellness news. I do a lot of medical uh, educational um, programming and a lot of medical satellite interview programming. And I just find that health and wellness is where I want to be, which will lead us to the book that I'm writing, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, in a little bit. Um, but I just found that hard news and politics and things like that just it it wasn't me it wasn't who i am i, I felt like all of my clients in my media training and my public speaking training are on both sides of the aisle. I love everybody, uh, helping them communicate and find their confidence. And health and wellness is something that everybody can relate to. It's solution oriented. It's something that everybody can benefit by. So that's why I like to operate in that space now and I have left the hard world news behind. You obviously have extensive experience in broadcasting, but what I found really, really cool, in addition to everything you just said, was that you have been in films. I have. <laughs> so, uh, because I have worked with uh, casting directors and agents in the city, and I have done a lot of like weekend broadcasting boot camps where because I'm not coming in necessarily as talent, I'm coming in as a media trainer, I can get people on my panels that are agents and casting directors and I've had you know producers and directors from major shows and I develop relationships with them. And because I've developed relationships over the years, I've also, because I'm in a SAG and AFTRA member, I've thrown my hat in the ring sometimes or I've had agents that have represented me say, hey, I know that you're really on the side of broadcasting where you're not an actor or actress, but uh, Law & Order needs somebody to play a TV host in an episode. Law & Order needs someone to play a reporter in the field or an anchor. And that's how that kind of happened is I started booking roles where I was playing somebody that I already kind of knew how to be. So it wasn't so much of an acting stretch. Uh, but then I've had other things where I have, able, have been able to do some interesting characters. Um, I've been killed in a film. I have shot someone in a film. Um, I was able to curse like a sailor in one film that I normally wouldn't be able to do because I'm so conditioned to to know that your mic is live and hot to where I'm not someone who necessarily uses profanity because I never wanted to be caught off guard. So that was a really interesting short film that I did. Um, and then I've done commercials and all kinds of things, you know, just like you, I feel like, you know, you might be a kindred spirit here because we have a lot in common. I just love communicating. I love being in front of the camera. I love the performance end of it. I love the human connection end of it. So I've just always kind of said yes to everything uh, that seemed reasonable and that was, you know, fell in line with my ethics for the best, you know, that I could muster and, and figure out at the time that it made sense. Um, and I've had a lot of fun doing it. I love that about the communication arts major and just the field of communications in general, that there are so many opportunities you can take. And I think it, I think it says a lot too what you said about like networking that you met these people before you even had these roles and by building relationships with them 
you got these roles. That must have been like really cool playing a newscaster when you obviously have the experience being an anchor. Yeah, it really was. So I really just, I was just myself and then maybe they gave me a different last name. So I had a recurring role on Law and Order Criminal Intent. I was on about five episodes and my name was Dawn Condor, which was hysterical. Um, and I was just like, well, okay, they can call me that, but I'm really just being me, being the reporter or being the host or the anchor. So, you know, again, it, it really wasn't too much of a, of a stretch. And then I got to play a uh, anchor reporter in this Madonna film called W.E., which which was really exciting because you know she's such an icon from so many decades now and you know to be talking to her with her right in your face like giving you direction and then having to go back and do voiceover looping to match some of the the, the verbiage that needed to be done later i ended up in the city going to a recording studio that you would never recognize from the street, you know, and this little black door on like 54th street. And next thing I know, I find myself, I'm in this little enclosed studio, literally in her space in front of a mic. And she's got these flowy scarves and, you know, all this like ambiance happening. And now she's in the control room in my ear, telling me, directing me what to do. And I'm like, I'm standing at Madonna's mic in her space, speaking into the microphone, taking her direction right now. Like that was just like, and I'll never make this mistake again because I didn't want to seem like such a, um, you know, a fan or like, and I didn't ask to take a picture with her. And that's like my biggest regret. I will never do that again. I'm trying to act, keep my cool and act all professional. I will never not ask someone to, to take a selfie with me ever again after that experience. <laughs> oh. <laughs> And you're the president of Patricia Stark Communications, which is an amazing company. Can you tell me not only more about this company, but what motivated you to launch it and to brand confidence? Yes, absolutely. So I'll try to make it a long story short. But so when I was thinking about starting a family and I knew that I wanted to have flexibility, I thought to myself, you know, I really should create something that is just my own uh, where I will be able to kind of make my own schedule, if you will. So it really kind of stemmed from the, the freelancing. First, I started off uh, with the name Media Image Coach, and it was MediaImageCoach.com. And I thought it was really a cool, uh, because you know the, the letters for it would be M-I-C, like mic, like a microphone, right? And I started off there, and that was mostly for my on-camera work so that people could find me because I did a lot of corporate media in addition to other broadcasting and voiceover work and things like that. And then I actually started coaching and training by accident because I was at KPMG, um, which is a financial services firm here in uh, Northern New Jersey. I'm international too, but I, I was working there for them on camera and I was reading the teleprompter and I was doing some kind of interviewing of their, their, uh, professionals of their executives there and they weren't that great on camera and many of them were struggling to read the teleprompter and they were getting nervous and all I thought to myself was I don't want to be here till midnight let me try to help these people so I coached them through the day and things went well and we got out on time and I was like okay that was great so about a week later the uh, head of the uh, production facility that is on site at KPMG calls me and says, hey, look, you know, you did a great job on camera. We really liked that. But 
we want to talk to you because you really helped our people get through that shoot. And we want to know, would you come back in just to coach our people? And that was the light bulb moment for me where I was like, oh, wait a minute, this is another business. I can help people do what I've been doing um, and maybe help them find their, their confidence and maybe help them with some of the skills they need to work in front of the camera. So I started out by doing teleprompter training. And what I did which was a company in New York City in the film center business in the films met through a show that I was hosting and his first name was Tony and I said Tony you know I'm looking through the city here no one's teaching teleprompter screen actors guild maybe does it once a year and you have to be a member I was like what do you think I know you guys do all these acting classes there but what do you think about teleprompter training and he's like I love it so I ordered my own teleprompter I invested in that and we created a three-hour program that then led into a four-week hosting class and then a five-week advanced hosting class and then doing these weekend TV hosting things for people that wanted to be in broadcasting and then I was meeting with one of my clients who uh, owns a company and I was coaching him for his new book tour he was going on the Today Show and he wanted to be confident so we started talking and he said you know People don't know who Media Image Coach is. He's like, you really should use your name so that people know that it's Patricia Stark that they're looking for and that they're getting as their coach and trainer. And then that's when I changed the name to Patricia Stark Communications. And um, then I started branching out to do public speaking training. I basically said yes. When someone called me, pitching, uh, their new idea to angel investors. Yes. And I'd call somebody and say, okay, who does this? And what, how can I pick their brain? Because it all falls under communicating with confidence. It all falls under how can I be a, a good uh, communicator and make others feel comfortable around me? So it just kept building on itself. And then confidence happened because I was writing my book about coaching and the coaching and training that I was doing. And I said to myself, you know, not everybody wants to be in front of the camera. Not everybody's going to find themselves having to give a big speech in front of, uh, you know, hundreds of people or even a room full of people. But what is the foundation of what everyone wants, whether it is having to deal with a confrontational phone call or to advocate for your child with a coach or a teacher at school or to go on your first job interview or, you know, handle dating, whatever it may be. What it all boiled down to for all of my clients was they needed to find their calm so that they could, you know, clear their mind and think straight. And they needed to find their confidence in new situations, even if they were good at something for many, many years. Suddenly, when you find yourself in a new situation or you're expanding your comfort zone, you can get that agitation and that, that you know, your heart rate and that anxiety. So I looked and I was like, what's a blend of those two? And it came down to the word confidence. So I got on the phone, I found uh, someone that was helping me with my book and her partner happened to be a copyright attorney. And it was actually a gal that I met at an event at Stack where we were both on the same um, panel and she had written a book. So through networking with them, I found out how to get this registered trademark so that I could trademark the term confidence. And then I started, um, you know, 
uh, networking to find out how do I get this book published and find a publisher. And then I finally achieved that over a couple of years. And now I have a, a publisher and I have a publishing date and confidence will be the book's name. And my publishing date is September 21st of 2021. Congratulations on that book being published. Thank you. And I know that was a lot, but I was trying to condense it so that you could see the trajectory, you know, the, the, how everything got to happen in that chronological order. No, that, that's really important. And you not only talked a lot about networking, but you talked a lot about personal branding there with using your name and, of course, like using social media to promote Patricia Stark communications and confidence and trademarking that term. And I also like how you said that like speaking confidently, it's applicable to everyday life. Anyone can benefit from the workshops that you provide. Yeah. And that's my goal. You know, that's what I really wanted to do. And I know it's not one size fit all. And my training is highly customizable. You know, like right now, currently I'm training an anchor and a reporter based out of Washington, DC, helping them deal with being live, helping them deal with the politics behind the networks, helping them deal with a lot of uh, different issues. I'm dealing with a gal who had a baby four months ago. And sometimes she gets like brain fog and she's got to be live on the air. And she, that's been a challenge. I have someone else that is terribly afraid of public speaking and she's just it's been debilitating for her over the years and she's in her 30s and I meet with her once a week just to help navigate presentations or even just you know calls that she has to do with upper management at work or when she has to do a new hire and she starts like completely stressing out and I can be that sounding board and help her remind herself you know how she can be confident you know then I have another gal that um, is going on a job interview and we're going going through some mock interviews on air. And then finally, I have another girl who's doing an internship. She's in college right now, and she's doing an internship at NBC, and it's all over Zoom, and she just wants to know like how to you know, come across more confidently with her facial expression and her body language and how to deal with this whole new virtual environment and be able to build you know, relationships virtually, which is not always the easiest thing. So you can see that it affects all of us in so many different ways. And especially now with this polarization of, you know, how we've forgotten how to communicate and how to respectfully disagree with each other and how to be tolerant of people that don't agree with us. We've stopped being good listeners. And, you know, even if we don't agree, I mean, the best communicators are the best listeners. And, even if we are so against what someone else thinks, we still have to find a way to communicate respectfully and learn how to agree to disagree. And that keeps coming up now in a lot of my sessions because people are just stressing out because you know, the media would have you think that everybody is at each other's throats. But when I talk to people of every race, creed, color, religion, you name it within their communities and in their workplace, they're like, you know what? we're actually all kind of getting along pretty well. So it's trying to like put things in perspective and not get caught up in the craziness and not get caught up in the spin and the agenda that's going on right now um, that people like, there's people out there that want turmoil on all sides. And we just have to look at the, our immediate people that are around us in our families, in our workplace, in our communities. And if you really look, I mean, everybody really kind of just wants the same thing. We all just want to, you know, protect ourselves, protect our kids, make a living, you know, wake up and, and have some happiness and enthusiasm for life. And I think that if we just remember to be communicators and listeners, we can achieve that 
on an individual basis. And I think that's what's going to save society at this point right now. Unfortunately, I hate to say it that way, but it's about that interpersonal skills that are so important that we all need to have right now. I agree, like especially now with everything that's going on in the world, it's nice that your company has such a positive impact and such a positive impact on people's lives. And one question that I have is, are there any success stories that come to mind of clients that you've had? Like maybe they were really, really afraid to speak in public and then they ended up excelling. Yes. I have another uh, executive, a female executive who really struggled with self-esteem. Uh, I got to the root of it and I always remind my clients, look, I'm not a, a psychologist, but here's what I can tell you as a coach and mentor. I've gotten some certifications in positive psychology and in um, you know, personal coaching and in uh, executive coaching. So I try to be careful on what I'm doing. And I actually do have a mentor who is a psychologist that I will consult with sometimes. Um, so I, I, I'm, I tread lightly here. But uh, you know, we carry around a lot of baggage. And this one particular client grew up with her parents, just things were never good enough. She felt like she could never do enough that was good enough. And then she had some experiences, uh, both dating and with friend groups, where she really felt that people let her down and people really didn't make her feel good about herself. And she's carried this on and on for so long. So this was not going to be an easy fix. And I worked with her for about nine months, really helping her with that self-talk, you know, going into communication situations, not procrastinating because she'd get such anxiety that she'd put things off and then it became a vicious cycle. So then she wouldn't feel prepared. And then that made her anxiety go through the roof. So it was creating a safe environment so that someone could really tell me what that baggage was, and then constantly, you know, trying to create new dialogue, this, this inside coach to drown out, and I talk about this in my book, creating an inside coach to drown out the inner critic, and, you know, just through repetition, and, you know, we worked on this weekly, sometimes twice a week, and then right before any kind of communication situations at work, and I received a text that made 2020 be the best year of my life in a world of chaos uh, about, uh, about a month ago. And her text was, I had a um, presentation today. And even though I was nervous, I wasn't terrified. And my senior vice president came up to me afterwards and said, great job. And her last line of the text was, you saved my life. I actually am like getting goosebumps and getting choked up even telling you this story because I was like, oh my gosh, what, like, and this is going to sound, I don't want to sound all new agey on you, but I was like, what, my work is like sacred. Like this is something that is affecting someone's life for them to make a comment like that. I was just blown away. And I was like humbled and just so happy that I could try to help do that for someone. And that's what I hope my book can achieve in some way, shape, or form to people that I may never meet in person. And, you know, I, I'm just thanking God that I had the ability and found the way to meet the people that are able to help me make this book eventually come out there and, and into the world. I'm really happy, really happy that you had such a positive impact on um, her life and the lives of many people. And in interviews, you've also stressed the important relationship between self-perception and communication. 
um, which is shown in that story too. And I watched the video of um, Steve Adubato's interview with you. And um, you had a great quote in that interview and I wrote it down because I loved it. And you said, the way that we communicate internally, the story we tell ourselves completely affects our ability to communicate outwardly to others. And um, for anyone struggling with self-perception right now who may be listening to this, what are some ways to improve their self-perception? Well, I, it, the, the response I usually get from people when I make this comment is that they don't believe it or it's hard to believe. I am a reformed, shy person. I am a reformed uh, person that used to beat myself up and make myself not feel good enough. Uh, when I was much younger, and it was a process. So allow it to be a process. It's not going to happen overnight when you're trying to build your confidence and your self-esteem because you may have been repeating these stories for years and your subconscious has kind of locked things in place. So first and foremost, watch what you say out loud because when you talk badly about yourself or you say you can't do things or that you're not good enough and you physically speak this out loud, that locks things into your self-conscious. So never speak bad about yourself outwardly to yourself or to others ever again from this point on. And then also know that everybody goes through this. And I talk about this in a lot of my speeches. One of the greatest gifts that I've ever been given in working with celebrities and um, newsmakers and uh, you know, artists and authors and musicians, fill, you fill in the blank, wealthy people, whatever it is that you, they all have the inner critic and they all have doubts and fears. No one is immune to this. But what we can all start doing is, is we can stop taking direction from it. You know, it's almost like I told this to a client the other day. I was like, if you guys ever watch reruns of Seinfeld, because I know they're in reruns now, but he has a friend named Newman. And when Newman shows up, he's like, Newman. You know, like everybody just can't stand Newman because he's such like a nudge, you know? So when your inner critic shows up, now make fun of it and just be like, Newman, I'll deal with you later. Go, go sit in the corner like a good little boy or girl, but I have a job that I have to do right now. So you have to push that inner critic out of the way and into the corner and summon your inner coach and watch how you speak to yourself because your subconscious is listening and it will believe whatever you tell it. And then stop believing lies that other people have told you. No one gets to be you. If you've had a coach or a teacher or parent, a family member or a friend make you feel bad about yourself, shame on them. Let that go. No one gets to define you but you. No one gets to see, say who you get to be in this world but you. And every single day is a clean slate and it's a new day for you to start over again. And then lastly, I will say, and this may not apply to everybody, and you can call it whatever you want, universe, higher power, whatever. I happen to be someone who is a person of strong faith. And I believe that if you ask for help or you ask for guidance or you practice your faith, studies have shown, it doesn't matter what faith you are, if you practice your faith and if you have this inner feeling of this inner guidance, that you actually, you actually live longer, live longer you have less stress, stress, stress all, all of things. But if that's not your thing, not your that's thing, cool, that's cool, too. If you want to just think of, think of, you know, the universe, the universe or think of like nature like or nature the collective, or whatever it may be, try to think of a source that can ground you and that can give you faith that, you know, there's a bigger world out there more than just yourself. And whether it's meditation or going for a walk, you know, in the, the, um, the woods, whatever it may be, find the thing that gets you centered, that gets you returning to who you are 
at your core and know that that is good enough. Like everybody's got a different fingerprint in this world. No one has the same fingerprint as you. So just do you and do you the best that you can. And the great thing about aging and as you let yourself go through life, don't look at it as a bad thing. Look at it as a good thing because what happens is you start to not care so much about what other people think. And you start to care more about what do I think and what impact do I want to have on the world. And by the way, volunteering and helping others and getting outside of yourself helps you have more confidence in yourself too. I mean, studies show that when people volunteer and help others, they actually get physical sickness less and less mental illness. So if you're in a funk and you're not feeling good about yourself, go help someone else. It's a great fix. I agree that having faith is so important. And I also love your idea where you're like personifying negative thoughts as Newman and just shoving them to the side or him to the side. <laughs> that made me laugh. Someone, I once someone heard say, um, if you don't talk to yourself, your inner critic will talk to you. So you've got to just be like, okay, like, you know, studies show you can't think something positive and negative simultaneously. So at some point when we put on our big boy girl, big boy pants, our big girl pants, whatever, you know, we grow up and we know we're an adult. At some point being an optimist or a pessimist becomes a choice. Yes, we've all had stuff in our background and some of the baggage is much more harsh and much more worse for others. But when you can overcome and move forward and let today be a fresh new day and even if it's an awful lousy day guess what tomorrow will be a new day and with aging and with wisdom all also comes the knowledge of no matter how bad it's been i can look back and say you know what it did eventually get better so always have hope and expectation as well no matter how bad things feel they always do get better that was great advice for life and for communicating and for self-perception. And as someone who exudes confidence, what tips do you have for stack students when it comes to finding internships and interviews? So for finding the internships is definitely through networking, using social media, uh, talking with everybody that you can think of, asking friends and family to ask other friends and family, uh, you know, be willing to work, you know, my, both my internships were not paid internships and letting that be okay. It's great to have a paid internship, but, and being open-minded to it again, looking for things like it doesn't have to be like, don't get caught up in, Oh, someone's got a big internship at some big network or some big production company. Because when I worked for a, a small little local station or a smaller place, the experience was just as valuable and I got so much more of it. And as far as interviewing goes, if you're going to be doing virtual interviews and then eventually hopefully in-person interviews, be curious know your stuff, do your homework, do your due diligence, find out about a company. And don't think of it as it's just you hope that they like you. It's a two-way street. You got to make sure that it looks like a place that you want to be too. So really watch their videos, find out what they do, find out what their mission statement is. And then when you get in front of the camera to talk to them, make sure that you're making good eye contact. Make sure that you have a bunch of questions. You know, my son is going through the recruiting process right now. He's a senior in high school and we're 
We're trying to figure out where he's going to go to college and he wants to play baseball. So it's a double layer. He's got to get a coach interested first before he can apply because he wants to be able to play at that particular school. So he's been like my pet project. And I, we, we met with a coach recently at a distance at an event, but he had talked with Logan on the phone and I worked up these whole sheets for D1, D2, D3, and here are lists of questions and bullet points that you should think about asking. And here's a clipboard and show up with that over the phone. And the coach said to me later on, a couple weeks later, he's like, oh my gosh, this kid had me on the phone for 45 minutes. He was the person that asked the most questions. It was so exciting to hear somebody be that engaged. And, you know, my son's not always like, like somebody that might be outgoing to do that. So get somebody to help you do that. And then lastly, one coach turned around and told us that they had gotten a thank you email from my son. And that was the first thank you email that they had gotten like in the last year from anybody. So make sure that you're as professional as you can be. Make sure that you're making good eye contact. Know that you have to have um, a face that is an active listening face that has maybe just a slight upturned smile, not a big grin, but that you, know, that you look like you're happy to be there. And if you are you know, a reserved person or someone that's a little bit more shy, just say to yourself, you know what, I just have to muster up a little enthusiasm and maybe some acting skills just for 15 minutes or just for 20 minutes or just for an hour because you want to, it's not just about communicating is also about making the other person feel comfortable with you to make people feel comfortable around you. So when you make good eye contact and you smile a little bit and you're engaging and you ask questions, even if it's painful, that makes the other person feel comfortable. And then try to think less about yourself. You know, I've had younger people when I've been coaching them say, you know, when I make eye contact with people and I'm staring at them, I almost don't know what to do with my face and it feels too weird and it feels too close and too connected. I'm like, then that's fine. Then don't make laser eye contact. You know, when you're thinking of your questions, take, take a break, look up and then look down and consider questions and then look back at the person and then maybe look at their mouth and look at their eyebrow, like mix it up a little bit because it can be intense to be making direct eye contact. But, you know, again, just be happy to be there do your homework, have great manners. And then lastly, what I will leave you with for trying to find work and trying to find uh, internships or, or on interviews, be a class act, be a person of excellence, be somebody that has good manners. Because you know what, there's a lot of information and people out there right now that are, are not good examples of that. And I don't care what generation, generation you're from, those things will always go a long way and, and be willing to go above and beyond. It's called having the plus factor, not just your job description or doing the bare minimum. Because when you're a person of excellence and you go the extra mile, you better believe people are going to take notice and people are going to want to be around you and people are going to want to work with you. The, um, the conversation that your son had about like going into college and the impact that he had um, affecting like with baseball and like how he was perceived and writing the thank you note, that's all really, really important. And that just goes to show me and to anyone who's listening that the tips that you share about confident, confidence had an impact on him. Yes. Well, he's also... Um, 
interned with me kind of in a way. He's run teleprompter at a lot of my events. He's come to a lot of my speeches. Um, I have to be careful because sometimes, you know, you want somebody to be a mom. You don't want them to be your coach and these things. So sometimes I have to back off and not, you know, be all in on that and, and not put my work hat on. So that's been a fine line as a mom. You know, yes, I'm always encouraging him to, uh, you know, have good manners. So I kind of just hoping that I'm hoping that he's kind of assimilated and through osmosis, uh, you know, had these things. And, and he is an only child. And I do have to say that since he was younger, and even till my teacher's conferences on Zoom this Tuesday, I always hear he's very respectful. He says, good morning. He makes eye contact. He says, please and thank you. And I've been getting these notes since second and third grade and, and continue to be shocked that teachers say that this is a standout type of behavior, that this is not the norm. And I'm thinking, man, that's a sad commentary. Like, that's why if it's not the norm and you choose to be a person that takes those extra steps, you will stand out from the crowd. When it comes to interviews or being in the workplace, whether it may be virtual, whether it may be in person or a combination of the two, what is one piece of advice that you constantly find yourself giving to clients that is often overlooked or not given in other areas? I think that it is, there's a lot, so I really have to give this some thought, but I would think that a running theme seems to be that we're all juggling 18 different things, right? There's a lot going on in our work, in our personal lives, in our own heads, um, shoulda, woulda, couldas, uh, the environment, the politics, the news. You know, we're inundated. We're inundated with information. We're inundated with social media. We're inundated with messages constantly. So I think that to find that calm and confidence, that confidence that I talk about, that's such a foundation of things, you need to stop. You need to have a moment of silence. You know, that's, that's, we hear that moment of silence is the greatest respectful thing that we can do to remember someone, you know, who passed or that moment of 9-11 or that moment where, you know, it's that in memorandum, right? That moment of silence is a, a great gift that we can give. It's a great gift, though, that we can give to ourselves. So to slow it all down, to just stop everything. And I remember Derek Jeter in an interview said that he somehow when the game starts going really fast that he's found out a way to slow down the game so find a way to slow down your day find a way to slow down your mind and what's going on around you especially right before you're going to go into a job interview or a confrontational meeting or, or phone call or to doing something that you're anxious about or, or, or stressing out about or whatever go behind the scenes somewhere with your own self in private for for a minute and just, I, I teach this exercise called the snow globe technique, where you picture your mind shaking like a snow globe and the snow is going all over the place. Close your eyes for 30 seconds and watch everything settle so that you see the clear ball, the, the clear bulb, and let that globe be your mind. And that will lower your heart rate and clear your head and then go into a situation. So I think that's the theme that most people don't do. They're rushing, rushing, rushing. So they rush right into the interview. They rush right into the class. They rush right into the tough conversation. They rush right into you fill in the blank. And you can't think straight when you're agitated and when you're rushed. So give yourself the gift of 
let me just take a breath. Take the breath and the release is in the exhale. Get your heart rate down, clear your mind, and now you can think straight. And guess what? When you can think straight, what happens? You're able to trust yourself. And that's the foundation of everything. And you're able to think more effectively when you communicate afterwards, right? That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, that's why I called the show Inside and Out, because the communication first starts with what's happening in here before it translates to the world around you. So we've got to be the custodians of what's going on inside our own body, mind, and spirit. And we can control that. And interestingly enough, we can't control the world around us. We can't control the people around us and what they do, say, or think. All we can control is our reaction to things, our physical reaction, our mental reaction. And yes, does sometime it take a lot of work? Absolutely. And are there some people that get extreme anxiety, that get extreme uh, problems with their thinking? Yes. And those people should go seek help and talk to someone and may need some medication. I have some people that have to be on beta blockers because they cannot control their physical reaction to anxiety and their fear of social anxiety or speaking. And all of those things that you know, modern medicine does and modern uh, psychologists and psychologists are there for a reason. Use them. But talk to people, get the help that you need, and Talk to yourself, but just make sure that when you talk to yourself, that you talk to yourself the way that you would talk to a good friend or someone you love and start to notice how you are talking to yourself. And again, it, it's not just about, oh, I want to feel good about myself. It's the way you talk to yourself about studying. It's the way you talk to yourself about a job. It's the way you talk to yourself about relationships. It all comes from within. That's where the action is, not from the world around you. The action is from within. That is where we create our reality. An attitude is very important, which I got from everything you just said. And the Inside Out show that you had on WRCR, that show sounds incredibly interesting. And I find it like fascinating how like I interned there and that you had a show there and I feel like we have met the same people we were talking a little bit about it before um, the podcast that um, I know also which I forgot to mention Risa Hogue interviewed you yes. about zoom tips <laughs> Risa's great I love her we've known each other for a while through the Rockland Business Women's Network and lots of other things and you also know um, Carrie Potter Yes. Um, who's the director of business development at WRCR. And then there's also Steve Passell and Jeff Lewis, who are the co-hosts of the morning show with Steve and Jeff. I love Steve and Jeff. All great people. And I've known all of them, uh, except for Steve. I met Steve when I first was working at RCR doing the show. But um, Carrie and um, Jeff, I know probably longer than the years you've been on this earth. <laughs> <laughs> That, that station is so much fun. I actually, um, I filled in for Jeff a few weeks ago because, well, back at the end of September because it was Yom Kippur and I got to co-host the morning show with Steve and it was a really great experience. Oh, that's excellent. Congratulations. I hope you get to do it some more. Oh, thank you. Oh, and great. as an alumna of the college, what message would you like to share with any stack students who may be listening? You're in the right place. You couldn't be at a better school with more caring people and with such wonderful um, coursework and 
uh, opportunities and just such a great campus that keeps growing and expanding and it's just such a positive place and in, in really a wonderful community that, that surrounds the area. Um, you know, just don't limit yourself. Make sure that you go out there and you grab the world by the horns and just know that you came from great people and a great foundation and, and, and a great place. And you really can do anything that you put your mind to. And if people tell you that that's not true, you're hanging out with the wrong people. That is such great advice. And I wanna give you the opportunity to also plug your book and the podcast that you're working on. Oh, well, thank you. So my, um, my website is patriciastark.com. And then I also have columnfidence.com, which is C-A-L-M-fidence.com. Uh, the book is going to be the same title, Columnfidence. It's going to be published by uh, Sounds True slash Macmillan. And its uh, scheduled date is September 21st of 2021. And hopefully by then I'll be able to go to book tours and give speeches and be out among all the people that I miss in large numbers. And um, the upcoming podcast, which we're not sure where it's going to be airing yet, we just did the pilot, but it's uh, myself and Ernie Anastas, and um, we came up with the name Good Stuff with Ernie and Patricia, because we're only going to be discussing good stuff, uh, because we all try to focus on good stuff. Uh, so that will be coming up, and I will let you know where and when you can see that. Um, but I just wanted to add one thing when I say, you know, we should only focus on the good stuff. I get that, you know... Every day can't be great. Every day can't be perfect. You cannot be happy every day. That is ridiculous to even think that way, right? So sometimes it's okay to just be neutral. Just remind yourself that let's not strive for perfection here. Let's not walk around like, oh my gosh, that person is happy and it makes me nauseous because they're ridiculous. It's not true. I have lousy days. I have days where I doubt myself. I have days where I'm upset and anxious and overwhelmed. We all do. So just Give yourself the gift of saying, it's okay for this to not be a good day or a bad day or whatever it may be, but never give up hope that, you know, tomorrow is just going to be a better day. Somehow things have a way of working out. So I just wanted to leave that because I don't want to always sound like, you know, everything is always good stuff. Everything is always happy and you always have to keep a great attitude. No, you're allowed to have a bad day. You're allowed to be angry. You're allowed to be upset, but just don't wallow in it too long. You have the power to move forward and make changes and make tomorrow be a better day. So I just wanted to clarify that. Absolutely. And the podcast is called Good Stuff, right? Good Stuff with Ernie and Patricia. Yeah. I feel like I know, obviously, you know, Ernie, I feel like I know Ernie because it's actually an interesting story. Like my mom's side of the family is entirely Greek oh, and, wow. <laughs> and each year um, when they would have the Greek Independence Day parade on TV and Ernie Anastas and Nick Gregory host it, I always would get so excited. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta tell you, he's such a great person. And literally because of WRCR and him finding me and reaching out to me, he's one of my dearest friends at this point. And he is the real deal. You know, he really is a class act and he really means it when he wants to help people find ways to stay positive and to think positive and focus on what is good and focus on what is right. And we talked about that in the pilot that you really do get what you focus on. So be careful what you choose to focus on and choose wisely. I'm definitely going to be tuning into that podcast. <laughs> I'll let you know when it uh, unfolds. 
Thank you so much for speaking me, with me today, Ms. Patricia Stark. Oh, Catherine, thank you so much. It was great. And you're a great interviewer. I, I, you know, I train a lot of people for these skills and you get an A plus today. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so let me know when I can watch. All right, I will. All right, thank you. Be well. Bye. Bye.